What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. This week, we are back with episode 141, where we will be analyzing and predicting the Vittori versus Holland card going down tomorrow afternoon, starting at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. We have 13 fights from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means these fights will take place in a small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of the last event, UFC 260, about two weeks ago. I did predict 8 out of 10 fights correctly on the podcast, but sadly lost around a half a unit on my official track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. You can find that in the description of all the YouTube videos and on my Twitter profile as well. That's where I track all my official bets. So it was a good week for predictions, but not the best week for betting. So I hope you were still able to make a profit from last week's podcast. And we got 13 fights going down tomorrow at a special start time of 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And we got 13 fights in the Apex, so let's get right into the first fight on the card. In the welterweight division, we have Impa Kasaganai as the minus 280 favorite to Sasha Palatnikov as the plus 240 underdog. I think this line is a little bit wide, mostly because I think if the fight stays on the feet and these two are striking with one another, I think the fight will be closer than the line indicates. The only way that Kasaganai looks minus 300 here is if he hits takedowns and starts to get his offensive grappling going. And he does hit takedowns and have decent top pressure. Doesn't really do too much with that top pressure in terms of ground and pound or submission attempts. But he can hit effective takedowns and stay on top to win rounds. And we have seen bad takedown defense and defensive grappling from Paladikov. He was taken down and finished on the map by Mornir Lazez who is primarily a kickboxer. So that's definitely not a good look for him. When this fight is on the feet, I do expect a good amount of swinging back and forth between these two. Both guys like to get a little bit wild, like to trade punches. Don't have the best defense, but both guys are pretty durable. We've seen Kasaganai eat some big shots in his past fights, and we see we saw Palatnikov show a decent chin against Kasi. He did get rocked a few times in round one, but he stayed tough, he kept fighting, and he gutted that fight out to come back in the second half of the fight. So both guys can definitely take some shots, and I think these guys will be trading back and forth some wild brawling exchanges, and we likely do see Kasaganai hit some takedowns to win the rounds with his top pressure, and likely wins a decision here. Kasaganai is not too good at finishing, but Palatnikov should be a low, uh, level or two beneath him here, so we might see Kasaganai poured on for a late finish here, but I'll go with the decision pick to be safe. Impa Kasaganai decision is the pick, and in terms of money line, it is dog or pass. I wouldn't be laying the chalk on Kasaganai here. He is coming off a knockout loss. He is dropping down to welterweight here, um, so I would say pass on that minus 300 line and maybe look to bet Impa Kasaganai by decision. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Da Eun Jung, who is the minus 136 favorite, to William Knight as the plus 116 underdog. I think this line is right. I think Jung should be the favorite. He could even be a little bit more of a favorite here. I think he is the much better distance striker. He has some massive physical advantages over Knight. He's going to be 6 inches taller and 5 inches longer than William Knight in this fight. So I do think the distance striking favors Jung. He has the cleaner boxing. He has some power in his hands. Most of Knight's wins are pretty pretty meme finishes, honestly. I mean, the guy fights in very weird ways. He typically gets rocked early. He recovers, and he comes back and knocks out his opponents. And he's also complained about grappling a lot in his fights. But in his last fight against Alexa Kamur, he showed that he's actually a pretty good grappler. He can hit takedowns. He can stay heavy in top position. He can pass guard. And he showed a good array of lower body and upper body takedowns. He was really effective with his upper body clinch trip takedowns in that fight. So... Knight surprised me a lot in that fight. He's a much better grappler than I thought. 
but Knight's distance striking definitely needs some work. I would be pretty surprised to see Knight have much distance striking success at all here. I know Jung looked pretty tentative in his last fight and did get outboxed for most of the fight versus Sam Alvey, but Sam Alvey is a much better striker than Knight. And Jung really turned it up late in that fight, poured it on Alvey, rocked him a few times in round three. And I think if Jung is aggressive and he throws output, he has a good chance of rocking and putting out Knight here in the early rounds. I'm not super confident in Jung getting the knockout here, so I think the best way to play this fight is likely just Jung money line. I think he does look like the favorite out there with the better striking, and he does have the takedown defense, the defensive grappling to avoid getting taken down, avoid getting in that sloppy clinch type of fight that William Knight tends to thrive in. So the pick for me is going to be Jung. At minus 135, I do think there is some value. I cap him closer to 60, 63% here. So if you want to lay the chalk on uh, the late heavyweight Jung here, I definitely do not disagree with it. I probably won't be making a personal play on it myself, but I do think there is value on Jung at this price, and I'm picking him to win this fight. Uh, I could see a knockout, but I'm going to go with decision to be safe. Let's go with Dot on Jung by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Luis Saldana as the minus 125 favorite, taking on Jordan Griffin as the plus 105 underdog. Saldana is making his UFC debut here, coming off a knockout on the Contender Series. Jordan Griffin, pretty underwhelming fighter. I do not really think he's very good at any aspect of MMA, but he's somewhat well-rounded, and he does have some grappling potential to give Saldana problems. I do have to say, though, there is pretty limited footage of Saldana out there. There really is not any footage of his recent losses. He has two losses in the past five years, and I haven't been able to find video of either of them. I don't think there's video footage of those fights out there, so this is kind of a guess fight. This is kind of a shot-in-the-dark type of fight. I think that Saldana should be the better striker here, and he has shown the ability to stuff some takedowns. In the Wittstock fight, he stuffed takedowns. He ended up on top, and he showed that he can actually keep top position, and he's a somewhat solid grappler of his own. Um, but I'm still a little bit hesitant to bet Saldana here because of that question around his takedown defense. I think if he stuffs takedowns, he should be the much better distance striker than Griffin. But Saldana's a bit low volume as well. He hasn't fought the best competition. So I would say pass on this fight. I don't really have a good betting opinion here uh, because of the limited footage on Saldana. I would probably wait to bet Saldana until his next UFC fight. I think he might win this one. I think I'm going to be picking him to win this one. But... I think we have to see a little bit more of him to be confident enough to bet on him. So I'm going to go with Saldana by decision here, uh, but it's not a confident pick due to the lack of tape of Saldana. In terms of best for this one, it's a very tough fight to bet. I think the best course of action is probably just a pass in this one, but if you want to force a bet on this one, I think Saldana is likely the value side at this price, but it's really hard to be confident in either side here. You're best off just passing on this fight or betting really small. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Jack Shore as the minus 178 favorite to Hunter Asher as the plus 153 underdog. I think this line is a bit wide where it's at now. People have been betting Shore all week. He was around a pick him minus 120 earlier on in the week a few weeks ago. But people have been steadily betting Shore and I think the value has shifted to Hunter Asher here. I think this is the toughest test to Jack Shore's career. A lot of his fights have been in cage warriors against pretty inferior competition. And then his two UFC fights so far have been against really low-level fighters. Hernandez, who has since been cut. Phillips, who is fringe UFC level. And I just haven't really seen anything too impressive from Shore yet. He's really just outgrappled a lot of guys who aren't good grapplers. And I think... Shore still has a lot to prove. I'm not really a big fan of his striking. I don't think his offensive technique is very crisp. I think his defense is a bit lackadaisical. 
And it's not like Hunter Azure is some incredible striker, but I do think he is the better striker here. I think he's got the more effects of effective boxing. He definitely has more power in his hands. And I think we could see Azure win the striking here and force some takedowns out of Jack Shore. Azure does come from a wrestling background. He's a lot better offensively than he has def defensively. We have seen him taken down. He kind of gave up his back to Katona. He gave up his back to Smith a little bit. So that's a concern here. I think that's why a lot of people are on Shore because Azure was taken down and he tends to give up his back. Shore loves going to take down the back take. And I think that's why people are betting Shore. They think he's going to get a takedown and a back take. But I'm very positive that Azure is the more physical fighter. He looks strong. He looks more muscular. I think he's going to be hard to hold down. I think he's going to be reversing those positions and landing the better strikes here. So I'd be hesitant to let to bet sure. I mean, the people who have already bet him, they got the good line. They beat the line movement. Uh, but I think this is going to be a tough fight, the toughest test to Jack Shore's career. And I wouldn't recommend betting him as a favorite in this spot. In this spot. I don't have a ton of confidence in Azure here, but I do think that he is the value side to plus 150 or higher. I think he wins the striking by a slight margin, and he's going to be tough to take down, tough to submit, and I think he might even hit his own takedowns. I doubt he keeps top position. Sure, is pretty good at reversing, and Azure doesn't have much of a top game, but he might mix in his own offensive takedowns, and I just expect these rounds to be close. I expect this to be a close decision, and I think that Azure kind of has the round one upside. Uh, he does have some power in his hands in round one, he tends to start fast. So pre-fight side, I definitely think is Hunter Azure. I think he's worth a small bet at that plus 150 price. If you like Shore in this matchup, I'd recommend waiting to maybe live bet him after three to five minutes in the fight. You might see Azure start to slow down a little bit. Shore might start to figure him out and time his takedowns a little bit better. And in general, Shore takes a bit to build in his fights. He's fought way worse grapplers than Hunter Azure, and he still took to the second or third round to submit them. So I think the Shore round two, round three submission props worth a stab, and I think the Hunter Azure knockout round one prop is worth a stab as well. So a lot of different bets have value in this fight. I'm actually going to be picking Hunter Azure to pull off the upset decision. I just think he does more damage with his strikes. He's a more physical fighter. He's going to be hard to outgrapple. And I'm kind of just a Jack Shore doubter. So I'm going to be picking against Jack Shore again here. I'm going to be going with Hunter Azure by decision as the pick. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Jorgen DeCastro as the minus 305 favorite to Jarjis Danho as the plus 255 underdog. This fight has Fight of the Night written all over it. We have Dano coming off of a four and a half year layoff. He was a pretty terrible fighter about five years ago. Sloppy striking, just winging overhands in the feet. No real grappling ability and he gasses out pretty consistently. So I think Dar Dano is a pretty terrible fighter. No disrespect to the guy. But it's not like Jorgen Castro is some incredible fighter either. I mean, he's basically just a low kick and a few punches, and that's really all he has to his game. I think it should be good enough to beat Dano here. I think DeCastro just kicks his legs and punches him a few times. We might see Dano fall over and quit early. We might see him tough it out and grind out to a decision somehow. But I do not think there is any point in betting this fight. I think it's... It's going to be a sloppy heavyweight shit show. I uh, do not think the Castro is worth a bet at minus 300. I wouldn't parlay him. I wouldn't bet him by knockout. And uh, Dano is probably the side. He might have improved over the past four and a half years. I did check his Instagram for what it's worth, and he hasn't been posting much. He hasn't been looking like he's training too much. So I doubt we're going to see any massive improvements from Dano. But 
Still, Castro is low level enough that he could somehow mess this fight up. So I really wouldn't recommend betting on this fight. If you want to bet on anything, just take a shot in the dark on Danahoe as plus 255. Um, but that should do it for this fight. Official pick is going to be Jorgen de Castro. Um, let's go with decision. I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he's too consistent of a knockout puncher. So let's go with decision to be safe. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Ignacio Bahamundes at minus 185 to John Magdesi at plus 160. I'd say this line is wide where it's at now. This is a pretty similar story we see all the time. A contender series fighter coming off of a flashy finish facing a UFC veteran. And John Magdesi, you know what you're getting from Magdesi. A low to medium tempo kickboxing fight. He's got solid technique. He's good defensively. Um, he's kind of a decision machine. He doesn't really finish opponents too well, uh, but he will compete in the distance striking here, and that's what Bob Mendez does. He doesn't look like he has good takedown defense, but Magdesi isn't known for wrestling at all, so I don't think we'll see any grappling in this fight. But in the pure striking, Bahamandez just fought a really low-level opponent on the Contender Series, a guy who did not deserve to be in there at all. I mean, credit to Gomez, he stayed tough in that fight, but... Like I said, he didn't deserve to be in there at all, and Bahamundes just smashed him. So I have no doubt in my mind that Bahamundes is getting overrated coming off of a performance that pretty much means nothing compared to MacDessie. That Gomez guy is just a terrible fighter, and Bahamundes got a special showcase fight to show off his kickboxing. And I think the market is overrating Bahamundes because if you go back and watch a few of Bahamundes' old fights, specifically the Brown fight, you see that he's capable of having close competitive striking fights with guys who aren't really good strikers. Uh, Chris Brown was the opponent's name, very unorthodox, janky striking, and he was still hitting Bahamundes with some solid punches. So I don't really like Bahamundes' defense. I think he's very untested in terms of strength of schedule, and I think this is definitely his toughest te- fight to date in MacDessie. So I have no problem with a small bet on MacDessie here. I definitely think he's the side. In terms of a pure pickos, I think I'll go with Magdesi to win as well. I know Bahamundes is athletic. He tends to throw high volume. He looks like a flashy striker, but I think we really could see Magdesi shut him down here and just show him that he's on a different level in the striking. So I'll be picking Magdesi by decision here. I uh, do not think we see a knockout. If we see a finish, it's probably on Bahamundes' end. Uh, but one thing, other thing to note about this fight is Bahamundes has dropped down to 155 pounds. I think it's his first time he's fought at that weight class, and he did miss weight by a little as well. So likely a bad weight cut for Bahamundes, not good for his cardio in the late round. So I have no problem with the small bet on Magdesi here, and I'm going to pick him to win by decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Mateusz Gamrot as the minus 235 favorite to Scott Holtzman as the plus 200 underdog. I'd say this line is wide and Holtzman is the side at this price. Gamrot looked like a much better fighter in his regional tape in the KSW fights. He looked like a sharp boxer in those fights. He could strike from both stance. He had accurate punches and he could also hit takedowns and wrestle a little bit as well. But in his first UFC fight, he looked a little bit gun-shy in terms of striking. He wasn't really throwing too many strikes. When he did land, when he did throw, he tended to land his punches, but he just had a low output in that fight. But he really showed off how good of a wrestler he is. He has a vast array of takedowns. He took down uh, Gurum Kudaladze multiple times in that fight, showed good chain wrestling. Doesn't have much in terms of top pressure. Uh, he doesn't really do too much with his takedowns from top. But his wrestling skill is very good, and I think he is uh, capable of taking Holtzman down here. We have seen Holtzman taken down a lot in his past UFC fights. He's definitely improving. His takedown defense is getting consistently better. 
but I do expect the game plan of Gamrot to be the wrestle here. But it's going to be a difficult game plan to achieve because Holtzman is hard to take down, he's hard to hold down, and Gamrot doesn't really have that great of a top game to keep his opponents down. So I think even if Holtzman gets taken down, he probably bounces back way up to the feet, and I think the striking is going to be really competitive here. I would say that Gamrot is the more technical striker of the two. But in terms of aggression and output, I think that Scott Holtzman has a big advantage there. I mean, Holtzman consistently comes forward. He's really a bite-the-mouthpiece type of fighter. He Even when he's losing the fight, he's going to keep coming forward and looking to, to finish you. So I really like the aggression of Holtzman, and I think he can make the striking really competitive. He might even win the striking based on his aggression. This is a really good fight, really good matchup. I expect it to be close everywhere. I honestly expect a close competitive decision no matter who the winner is. On the feet, I give Scott Holtzman a slight striking advantage because of that aggression. And on the ground, I give Matush Gamrot an advantage because of his deep wrestling arsenal. And I do see Matush hitting a few takedowns here and likely edging the scorecards with his takedowns. But in that last fight against Kudalazi, he probably should have won that one as well. But he just didn't do enough from top position in that fight. And the judges ended up giving it to Kudalazi. So... In terms of betting for this fight, I think the value side is on Holtzman at plus 200. I think he is worth a small bet on his money line at that price. In terms of an overall pick goes, I'm going to go with Gamrot by decision. I think his wrestling leads him to a decision here, but it's going to be close, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Holtzman pull off the upset here, and Holtzman is definitely the side at plus 200. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Joe Selecki, who is the minus 230 favorite, to Jim Miller as the plus 195 underdog. This line is wide and I think the value is on Jim Miller at this price. For the first 5-7 to seven minutes of the fight, Jim Miller is still a very dangerous fighter. He still has some pop in his punches. He can club in some guys really well. And he can even hit his own offensive takedowns. He's, he's still a good fighter for 5-7 to seven minutes, but he does tend to gas out about halfway through the fight. He did so versus Holtzman. He did so versus Vince Peichel. And it seems like Miller just doesn't have that cardio or physicality to carry late into the fights. But for the first few minutes of this fight, I expect it to be closer than what the line indicates right now. As the fight goes on, I do expect Joe Selecki to take over, to likely start to outgrapple Jim Miller in the second half of the fight. We saw Jim Miller get taken down and stuck on bottom for a lot versus Vince Peichel. And I do think that Joe Selecki is a better grappler than Peichel. Selecki has shown really good submissions, front chokes, rear naked chokes, he's heavy in top position, and he also has some pretty good wrestling to go along with that. A big problem we see from a lot of jiu-jitsu guys is they don't have good wrestling, but from what I've seen of Selecki so far, he is a pretty solid wrestler, his striking is developing, he definitely knows what his capabilities are on the feet, he doesn't try to overdo anything on the feet, he knows that he's limited, and he just uses his striking to set up his takedowns. There are some good prop bets for this fight. I like the Miller round one knockout prop. He is still sharp and aggressive in round one. He still has some power in his hands early on. And I think that we could see him rock and catch Joe Selecki early here. I also like the Selecki round two, round three submission props. Miller slows down as the fight goes on. I've said that a few times already. And I am pretty impressed with Selecki's submission game. And I think he might find a finish in rounds two or three. In terms of pre-fight money line, I think Miller is the side. Maybe look to live bet Joe Selecki after about 5-7 to seven minutes because the best price on Joe Selecki is, is long gone. He was in the minus 100 range for a while, but now that he's minus 200, I think it's passing, uh, passing on him is the right move. 
Jim Miller is the side, but I wouldn't go too heavy because of that gas issue, that cardio problem that we've seen from Miller in his recent fights. Uh, so the Miller knockout round one prop, the Selecki round two, round three sub props are good. And I think that we will see a round two or three sub from Selecki here. So I'm going to go with a round three Selecki submission pick, and I'm going to be betting those props for sure. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Daniel Rodriguez as the minus 135 favorite to Mike Perry as the plus 115 underdog. I think the value is on Rodriguez here as the favorite. The line was a bit wider earlier on in the week. We actually saw Rodriguez at around minus 170, and people have been betting Perry pretty steadily all week. I'm going to disagree with that line movement. Let's start off by discussing both of these guys' last fights. Rodriguez looked a bit underwhelming against Dalby. His output wasn't as high as it usually was, and he kind of pissed away that fight in the scorecards. I did agree with Dalby winning the decision. He was landing some hard kicks that gave Rodriguez some trouble from the southpaw stance. I think that could have been a bit of an uncharacteristic performance from Rodriguez there. He usually has higher output. He usually turns it up as the fight goes on a little bit more, but he just didn't really turn it up in the later rounds there, and it cost him the decision. Now discussing Perry's last fight against Tim Means. Perry did not train for that fight at all. He did not do any MMA training. He just ran around Miami and hit pads with his girlfriend a little bit. And he is training at MMA Masters now. He does look in much better shape. He made the weight a lot easier than he usually does. So there are some good signs from Mike Perry. And I think that's probably why he's getting bet here. Because he's looking in good physical shape. He's training with a legitimate MMA team. But he still has a big obstacle to overcome. And that is a southpaw boxer with a good jab, and that's what Daniel Rodriguez is. I mean, he just had a very similar matchup against Tim Means, a southpaw boxer who throws a lot of jabs, and Means lit Mike Perry up in the boxing range. I mean, Perry just could not avoid the jab. He got hit a lot in that fight. He kind of fought back pretty well in round three. He never gave up. He was coming forward till the very end, throwing big bombs at Tim Means. So I do give credit to Perry there. He definitely didn't quit in that fight and made that fight really close in round three, but he did rightfully lose the decision there. One thing that Mike Perry has been doing a lot in his recent fights is looking to hit offensive takedowns, and he doesn't really have much of a top game to go along with it, but I do think he probably attempts some takedowns here against Rodriguez, and Rodriguez's takedown defense is fairly untested. We have seen him taken down a few times, but I think there's a decent chance that we might see Perry hit a quick takedown. I don't think he'll do much with it, but it's certainly something to consider. As I said earlier, it's definitely a good sign that Perry is training with a legitimate MMA team and dealing with the weight cut a lot better, but he still has a big technical disadvantage to overcome here. I think that Rodriguez is the better boxer. He's more accurate. He's got better punching mechanics. And as I mentioned, that southpaw with a heavy jab has really given a lot of problems to Mike Perry in his past, and I think he likely gets outboxed here. I think the overs and the goes to distance props are pretty safe here. I do expect this one to go to the decision. Both guys are very durable. In terms of pure picos, I'm going to be going with Daniel Rodriguez. I think he's the better boxer. I think he's more accurate with his punches, and I think he's got the better output. Uh, so I will be picking Daniel Rodriguez here to win by decision. And honestly, this late parry line movement is making me consider a bet on Rodriguez. I think that he should be around 60-65% in this matchup. So there is value on his current minus 135 line, but I'm going to wait to see where the line goes and uh, decide whether I want to track an official bet on Rodriguez or not. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Nina Ansaroff as the minus 140 favorite to Mackenzie Dern as the plus 120 underdog. This line actually flipped. Nina Ansaroff opened as the underdog, but has now been bet towards the favorite. I think she does deserve to be a slight favorite here, maybe minus 130, minus 120. Where it's at now, I think the value is on Dern at that plus 120 price. 
To start things off, we do have to mention that Nina is coming off of a 22-month layoff where she did have a baby. That's always something to consider. Dern also had a baby not that long ago, and I think it might have affected her fighting ability. I think the first fight back was Reba's fight, which is one of her worst all-time career performances. So it's definitely something to consider with these women fighters. But aside from that fact, I think it's a pretty good matchup for Nina Ansaroff here. She has shown good takedown defense. She is definitely the better striker than Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern definitely wants to get the fight to the floor. She's a jiu-jitsu girl, but she just does not have good wrestling to go along with it. I guess Dern's striking has been looking a little bit better, but it's still really ugly. I still think that Nina Ansaroff is the much better striker here. Now this is where this fight is strange because I do give Nina Ansaroff a pretty significant striking advantage. I do think she has the takedown defense to stop the wrestling shots of Mackenzie Dern. But I'm still very concerned about this fight ending up on the floor in some goofy women's mixed martial arts type of way like a head and arm throw, a judo clinch throw, a caught kick from Nina Ansaroff or something like that. If Ansaroff ends up on her back it really could be the entire fight. Mackenzie Dern could submit her with just one opportunity with top position, so that's why I'm hesitant to recommend betting on Ansaroff here. One bad thing that I saw from Ansaroff in the Suarez fight was how much she used full guard. She did make the takedowns very hard to get for Suarez, but once she got put on her back, she tended to go full guard, lay on her back for multiple minutes, and just wasn't very urgent in trying to get back up to her feet. So that's a very bad strategy against Mackenzie Dern. If you go full guard against Dern, she's likely going to keep you on the mat the entire round. And I just don't really love Nina Ansaroff's get-ups here. So that's why I'm not supremely confident in her. Because even though I do trust her takedown defense, even though I do think she's the much better striker, if the fight ends on the floor, somehow, I just do not trust her to get up. And I think that Mackenzie Dern likely wins rounds from top position and might even submit Nina Ansaroff. I don't think that she will submit her. I think that Dern likely needs takedowns in top position in multiple rounds to win. And I do not trust Mackenzie Dern's takedowns enough to get those takedowns in multiple rounds. So I cannot pick Mackenzie Dern here. On principle, I have to go with Nina Ansarov. I think the matchup does favor her. She outstrikes Dern at distance. She stuffs takedowns. And unless she gets taken down with some goofy trip, judo throw, caught kick or anything, I think that she wins this fight pretty comfortably, likely by decision. Uh, she probably pours it on late in rounds two and three too, so maybe look at some uh, round three props for Ansaroff, but I think decision is the safest way to play it, and the pick for me is Ansaroff by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Julian Marquez as the minus 175 favorite to Sam Alvey as the plus 150 underdog. I think this line is pretty wide where it's at now. I don't think Marquez is really a good fighter at all. I don't think he really specializes in any one aspect of MMA. I will give him credit for being tough and having good cardio in his last fight against Maki Patolo coming off of a multiple year layoff. He was losing that fight. He was getting out grappled, making some really bad decisions on the mat and just looking like a sloppy striker on the feet. But he did dig deep in round three, hurt Patolo with some strikes and ended up choking him out with an anaconda. So it was a great comeback victory from Marquez there. But overall, I think he just showed that he's sloppy. He hasn't really improved much as a fighter. And I don't really give him any advantages here. Sam Alvey is the better striker, in my opinion. He's got the much better boxing. He's got good leg kicks. And I think that Sam Alvey is likely going to counter Marquez in the feet all day long. And Alvey is also pretty hard to take down. He's got solid takedown defense historically. And Marquez is not really known for being a wrestler at all. So I think there's a good case for Alvey being the favorite here, honestly. I just do not see any way you can cap Marquez as the favorite besides enthusiasm and output. Um, but I mean, he's, he's not the better striker. I don't think he has the wrestling to get Alvy down to the mat. 
I mean, Alvy is not the most reliable fighter. He tends to be pretty low volume and makes fights pretty close, but I think this is a good matchup for him. He's dropping down to 185. He looks in good shape. He made the weight. And I think we're going to see Alvy shut Marquez down. He's going to counter punch him all day at range. He's going to stuff takedowns and he's going to outstrike Marquez to a decision. So only way I see Marquez winning the fight is just by sheer aggression and output. He's likely going to have to rock Alvy with some strikes in the feet. Maybe Alvy's depleted from the weight cut, but I think this is a good matchup for Alvy. I think he's going to win this fight via decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Sadiq Youssef as the minus 150 favorite to Arnold Allen as the plus 130 underdog. I think this line is wide. I would agree with Sadiq being a slight favorite at around minus 130, minus 120, but where it's at now, I think the value has shifted to Arnold Allen. The reason why I think that Sadiq should be the favorite here is because of his round one upside. He does come out very aggressive in round one, throws big punches, has power in his hands, and can hurt a lot of opponents early. But Sadiq also has a good amount of flaws. I don't like his boxing defense very much. He gets hit with a lot of shots, specifically jabs. He struggled with the jab of Andre Feely a lot in their fight. And he also got briefly rocked in the Feely fight, also got rocked pretty significantly in the Benitez fight. So I'm not really too trusting of uh, Yusef's chin as well. Another big problem of Yusef is he tends to take rounds off. And almost every one of his UFC decisions so far, he has lost a round. In the Marais fight, he won round one and took round two off. Was on his way to losing rounds two and three, but he had landed a big knockdown in round three that swung him the decision. The Feely fight, he took off round three completely, barely threw a strike that entire round. So it doesn't seem like Sadiq has that cardio and that output to go with a full 15 minutes yet. While I do think that Arnold Allen has the better cardio, the better output over the 15 minutes, I think that Arnold Allen's southpaw boxing is going to give Sadiq some trouble. That jab, that straight left hand. Arnold Allen throws primarily straight shots, and I think that's really what Sadiq struggles with, that straight left hand, that jab from the southpaw stance. I think that we're going to see Allen actually outbox Sadiq Youssef here. In terms of pre-fight bets, I do think the value is on Allen here, but I would go a small pre-fight because I think there's a good chance that we get a better price on Allen midway through round one, at the end of round one. As I mentioned earlier, Youssef comes out aggressive early. He lands big punches in round one. Most of his power shots come in round one, so... If Allen is losing this fight, it's likely going to be in round one. But even if he loses round one, I trust him to come back. I don't trust the output and the cardio of Youssef. And I think that we're going to see Allen be the more adaptable and experienced fighter in the later rounds. And I think he's going to weather the early storm and outbox Youssef to a 29-28 decision. So the pick for me is going to be Arnold Allen by decision. I'm going to go with a small pre-fight bet on Allen at plus 130 and look to live bet Allen about halfway through round one towards the end of round one after Yusef has his best success. So I like Allen here. I think this is a good matchup for him and I'm picking him to win as an underdog. One thing I forgot to mention in my analysis of that fight, but I'm going to throw it in after the fact, is the inside leg kicks are going to be a big factor in this matchup. It's an opposite stance matchup. Both guys have thrown a lot of leg kicks. Both guys are kind of susceptible to leg kicks. So I think whoever gets that inside leg kick going on on that opposite stance matchup could be the key to success, and they might take over here. So watch out for that strike in this matchup. The next fight is the main event of the card in the middleweight division. We have Marvin Vittori as the minus 355 favorite to Kevin Holland as the plus 280 underdog. I think this line is right where it's at, and I'm not a big fan of this fight at all. 
I mean, we just saw Holland fight against Brunson three weeks ago. He got taken down and dominated in that fight. He got taken down in every round, got stuck on his back for 20 minutes of the fight. It was just a terrible, dominant, embarrassing loss for Kevin Holland. So what does the UFC do? Do they let him go back to the gym for three to six months to improve his wrestling? Nope. They give him another main event three weeks later against Marvin Vittori. I get that it's short notice. I get that they needed a replacement, but Whitaker, Gastelum, uh, Brunson, any of those guys would have been better than Kevin Holland, honestly. It's a huge step back for uh, Marvin Vittori, honestly. He just beat Jacker Manson, who at the time was the number four ranked middleweight, and now he's fighting the number 10 ranked middleweight. It just doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. I guess we're stuck with this fight. I'm a big fan of Marvin Vittori, honestly. I think he's a very solid fighter. I mean, there isn't really any aspect of MMA that he's not good in. He's extremely durable. We've seen him eat some big punches on the feet, keep fighting. He's got solid boxing. He's got high output. He can hit takedowns, keep top positions, submit opponents, and he's got very good takedown defense of his own. So I really don't see many flaws from a Vittori. Oh, his cardio. Cardio looked very sharp in his first five-round fight against Hermanson. He won rounds one and two emphatically. Kind of took round three off. Gained some cardio back and then went right back to winning rounds four and five. Dominant decision win against a good fighter in Jack Hermanson there. Not much to say about Holland, honestly. Um, he might compete on the feet here, but even on the feet, I mean, Marvin Vittori is very durable. It's going to be extremely hard for Holland to rock him on the feet. And I think Holland's just not as good of a striker as people make him out to be. He's getting kind of overrated by some of his flashier finishes on the feet, but I don't think he's a particularly good striker. I think Vittori is going to have the better volume. He's going to be landing the more consistent offense. He's probably going to be leg kicking Holland, and he's likely going to look to hit takedowns because of Holland's takedown defense being so bad and so glaringly obvious after just getting dominated by Derek Brunson just about three weeks ago. I think that if the fight gets to the floor and Vittori is on top, he's going to be looking a lot more aggressive than Derek Brunson was. He's going to be looking to pass guard, land ground and pound, maybe even get a submission at some point. And that could lead some escape routes for Holland. He might get back to the feet one or two times, but I expect Vittori to be hitting takedowns most of the time to be outboxing Holland on the feet. And I just do not give Holland much of a chance in this fight. Considering that Vittori has shown crazy durability, I think it's extremely unlikely that Holland knocks him out. In terms of submissions, I think it would be pretty crazy as well. I mean, I just do not see a path to victory for Kevin Holland here. Uh, we just saw how bad his takedown defense and get-ups were just three or four weeks ago. They definitely have not gotten any better in the past month. So my pick here is going to be Vittori to win however he wants. I think he can hit takedowns and do a lot of work from top position. Might even finish Holland on the mat somewhere along the line. And I think on the feet, we should see Vittori be the much better striker, much more durable, higher output, more consistent volume. And I think he's going to win the fight everywhere it goes. So I expect Vittori to dominate. He might take a round off and gather his gas like he did last fight. So in terms of an official prediction, let's go with 49-45. I think we're going to see a couple 10-8 rounds there. And I think it should be a pretty one-sided performance for Marvin Vittori. Uh, not really a bettable fight at this point. The value on Vittori is gone. Um, no real recommendations on bets for this one. There's a lot better fights to bet on the card. So just skip this one in terms of bets. Look for live bets or something. And that's going to do it for this podcast. I analyzed all 13 fights on the UFC card going down tomorrow afternoon, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you set your alarm clocks. Wake up early for this one. And it's a pretty solid card. I like a few underdogs. I'm going to be tracking some bets in the next uh, 12 to 18 hours. So make sure you check on my bet MMA tips page to see how what bets I'm tracking. And I uh, hope you all enjoy the fights. Hope you all win some bets this weekend. And I'll see you all before the next UFC event next week. Peace. Peace.